This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. You are listening to the Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freebus, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me as always, halfway across the world, Jared Morgan. Hello. Hey. It's been a while. Well, it feels like it. It, it has been a while. Um, apparently, among the things that uh, want to, you know, die and be killed in Australia is uh, your internet. <laughs> yeah, my internet does indeed enjoy being uh, killed off uh, because it's a feature of the MBN. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a notional broadband network. Uh, it sometimes works, it sometimes doesn't. And in this case, it didn't for two months. The reason being is that some numpties at the NBN Co decided to repatch us into a whole set of different ports on the, the node that we're connected to. Um, and yeah, it's completely screwed up the entire neighborhood. So slow clap. Good work, MBN. Well done. Yeah, you know, you had one job, connect the cable back into the right socket. Can't even oh, do that right. It's impossible. I've, I've been through that uh, years ago when I dared to switch. <laughs> if you people want to know how long this ago this was, I was on Earthlink, um, which I know that makes nothing, no sense mm. to you, Jared. But I love that. Yeah, in in the states, they were a uh, hot up and coming internet company at the time that AOL was king. Oh, wow. And um, disruptors. Yeah, and and they were they were hot to trot and doing all sorts of really good things. And so I was really happy with their service, and I was really uh, not all that thrilled with my actual phone service. And they offered this whole thing of of being able to switch over to their own phone, so it's a, a VoIP phone yeah. service. Yeah. And then they'll shut down, they don't shut off your phone. Well, they, they, they kind of did it in the wrong order or something, shut off the one before turning on the other. And then they couldn't turn on the other because the other was turned off because this is all BSL based. Oh, right. Yeah. And we were without phone or internet. And this is pre smartphone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so basically you're completely disconnected. Yes. So Ooh. without phone or internet for an entire month. Oh, wow. And that was also during, I think it was the month of November. So it was like, you know, holiday stuff. And uh, it was horrible. It was pretty horrible. So I can imagine what it must be like for you to, uh, when, yeah. when so many devices connect to the internet beyond just your phone <laughs> and right. then they're void of it. It's it's very frustrating because you know both Kim and I, my wife, we we do work from home during the week. Um, yeah. So out comes the phone, out comes the tethered hotspot, um, burning through the mobile data at a rapid rate of knots. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to actually connect into work so I can actually do my work from home, which I need to do with Sienna. Um, and you know, we would have burned through, I think, because we we realized that we had unstable internet since about eleventh of July. Because that's when when they did the port switch over, and they realised they balked it really bad. So they did a workaround at the what they call the pillar, which is the node, um, and they they did some jiggery pokery there to like get it working temporarily. And then when they had to go back and do it properly, they completely screwed it up. So so it, we were sitting here for two weeks basically with zero internet. And about a month and a half with dicey internet. Mm. So internet that kept on dropping out and um, not linking through and just generally sort of unreliable. And the reason why we're burning through so much data is because the the phones are smart, of course. They go, oh, well, you, you need a connection. Well, your Wi-Fi connection is technically on, but no internet. So I'll just I'll switch on 4G for right. you. And, um, and you'll, you'll be seamless. You won't even notice. You'll be yeah. fine. Great experience, except when you're paying for data. Yep. And so we burnt, like Kim would have burned through over the course of last month about 10 gig oh my of gosh. mobile data. And I had to switch plans midway from VIA to Belong, which is through our major carrier over here, Telstra. Um, they're like an NVNO, but they're owned by Telstra. And they're actually pretty good. You get like, for, for us over here, um, it's pretty good. We get like five gig for, I think, about 30 bucks. Okay. Um, and you get like unlimited calls and all that. So, and you can bank your data too. So after mm -hmm. all the shenanigans is over, I'll be banking probably about three gig of data each month up to fifty gig. So I'll go and reset for ages. Nice. Um, yeah. So 
it was, I guess it was kind of good because it made us rethink our mobile plans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not good at all. So I'm going to have to now contact my ISP who will then have to contact MBN code because they're wholesalers and say, look, I want two months of internet like reimbursed for me because this is rubbish. Yeah. So fun times ahead for me. The, the, the most fun part that I had with my whole experience was dealing with the customer service because mm. all their customer service was handled through India. Oh, right. And which was, you know, typical, right? Except yeah. for the fact that um, I would get through probably within five minutes. That's good. I would explain real quickly what my situation was. And after my first time dealing with this, I had then a trouble ticket. I would give yeah. a trouble ticket number. And then I'd be proceeded to put on hold for, on average, a half an hour. Um, wow. The longest I was on hold for was one hour. And a lot of times it was about 45 minutes before I'd finally get to talk to somebody. <laughs> and wow. then I would, yeah. And then I would get to talk to them. And, and of course, I'm having to do this on a, a, a work cell phone. <laughs> oh, right. I, I had no other phone to do this with. And they would kept on being like, well, can you uh, test the phone uh, at your home? It's and I'd be like, no. I, well, not only would I be saying no, but I'd also be like, it doesn't work. You can't test anything because it doesn't, it's been disconnected. Um, yeah, it's just a comedy yeah, of errors. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, oh. And my wife just reminded me, they tried calling my wife to set up an appointment. On what? Exactly. <laughs> So, so then the, so here, here goes where, here's where it really gets fun. So finally get a technician. Oh, the, the back and forth between technicians was nightmare. But we finally, yeah, oh, got it. This story is epic. Um, yeah. But we finally get a technician to come out to the house and I'm yeah. talking with the technician and he's like, okay, well, I need to make an appointment with, uh, uh, with your local phone company. I'm like, great. And he goes, well, no, because I got to do it through my dis my dispatcher. I'm like, okay, what's the problem with that? Dispatcher's in India. <laughs> so literally the two of us could be standing there talking to each other and we could not make an appointment with each other because we had to go through the dispatcher. We have to go through this dispatcher and everything had to be routed through India. And so the amount of time it took to do anything and not on top of that, there was, you know, the language barrier. Yeah, <laughs> and so things weren't quite being communicated in the manner that they needed to be communicated because they didn't quite make sense to mm. whoever was writing it down. Yeah, it was it was glorious and um, wow. Let's just say I complained so hard on here. here you, okay, you ready for how old this is on MySpace? Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> I had a three part blog about this whole adventure that I wound up getting contacted personally by Earthlink. They had read it. <laughs> we're horrified by it and we're wondering if there was anything they could do to make it uh, better. Unfortunately, this was two weeks after I'd finally got my phone hooked up again back with my original carrier. Yeah. Oh, and that was the other thing. The original carrier couldn't hook the phone back up because I had said that I was going with a different carrier. Yeah, and, and it was locked. And it was locked and they I would have to get a hold of the carrier to get them to release it. <laughs> And they couldn't release it because they screwed it up totally it's, on their end. Exactly. So, exactly. It was it was just a horrendous comedy of errors. Oh, man. That yeah. is just terrible. It makes me feel a bit better about the MBN because I mean, it, it, in this you know the, in the age we live in now, it's actually yeah. not super bad. You still can yeah. get access to the internet, but you know, back then you were at high and dry, and if you oh, didn't have God, a phone yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, like what do you do? You can't do anything. Yeah. It's just terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I feel for you, man. I know. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Well, just that's how that's why that I understand was. exactly what you're going through. Where it's just like, oh, please <laughs> make it stop. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're back online, and the the reason why they did the work to start with was because in our telephone pits in the street, they have these things called unions inside the. The, um, the pits and they join the cable pairs between like each sort of stretch of cable and they they were known to be a bit dodgy we have what they call rotten copper in our pits which usually requires a tech to come out every year and um, repatch us through to a new pair so what they've done is they've replaced these unions 
um, in all the pits leading to the node. So the upside of it all is that we should have a pretty good um, stability moving forward now um, with the copper. So because um, NBN is silly in the fact that we have plain old telephony service or pots all the way up to the house, but we connect to the node by the copper. And then from the, the node, it's all fiber optic. Yeah. So using like 70 year old tech to connect to 20 year old tech. Right. So, so yeah. what could possibly go wrong there? Nothing. Anyhow. Absolutely. No. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're wondering folks, what any of this has to do with pinball, it doesn't. It's just why we haven't had a podcast in two weeks. That's right. So <laughs> th there's your 10 minute justification um, exactly. for why we haven't had a podcast. So Please enjoy. Yeah. Did you miss us? No, because there's not much to talk about in the pinball world. Um, there, there really isn't. Like to, the, to the point that I, I read a thread this morning uh, or a, a comment this morning where the person was going, okay, so... I, uh, me personally, I had said that whoa, Nelly was 95% done and uh, Big Buck Hunter was on the way. And that was a month ago. And they're like, mm -hmm. so it's been five months since Farsight has made a release. Come yeah. on, guys, what's the deal? And uh, how is Farsight even going to survive this? Mm. And, and my response was, uh, you know, Zen hasn't released a table in four months. Are you worried about them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just curious, you know. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, it's not like we haven't known what Farsight's doing. They kind of launched on the Switch, redid all the storefronts, uh, put out the Arcuda pinball cabinet version, have been updating that. Apparently, quite mm -hmm. a lot of patches have been going on, and the threads of the people that have been complaining you know, upon the initial release are now the comments that I've been reading is, oh, it's so much better. Oh, I'm loving what they're doing. They're responding to everything that we're asking for. It's, you know, not instantaneously coming through, but things are trickling in that are uh, uh, benefiting everybody. So it's like, things are happening. They are working thing. And on top of that, they've been working on the uh, certain Pinball Arcade VR version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's got... lots of stuff that is going on, yeah. but it's not necessarily... The thing is that they're not really doing a lot of broadcast, and that's the thing. Yeah, um, They're not telling a lot of people what they're doing. Like, I, in, in this, I guess that's the only thing that's different. They're not sending out a monthly newsletter with a lot of juicy stuff in it because it's, oh. there's not a lot to talk about. It's all kind of... It's not so much as not game-release stuff. It's just more that it's um, not as I guess attractive to tell your customers yeah. about that a DLC is. Well, um, no, somebody else pointed out, uh, gee, I wonder how many seasons Farsight sold right up there until June 30th. Mm. I'm sure that was a small influx of cash for them. <laughs> I have a feeling there was as well that we know there was plenty of panic buying. Yeah. Plenty of plenty of ill-informed multi-platform <laughs> panic buying happening. Yeah. Um, so they they would have probably had a little bit of extra cash to, to bump them up there um, after they minus all the licensing fees and minus all the other stuff. So yeah. I've noticed that they've got a tournament running at the moment on mostly Godleibs. Mm -hmm. um, so there's old and new Godleibs in there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I played it. I, put, I did it on Steam because I wanted to play the, some of those games I haven't touched, like Rescue 911 and... Um, what was the other one in the tournament? I think it was, um, oh, that Elven G, um, pistol poker. Oh yeah. That, that thing like really, the uh, yeah. Okay. Play it was actually a five minute tournament too, which is interesting. Oh, so, so they did a five minute version of it and it's pretty interesting to see how far you can get in rescue nine eleven in five minutes, mm -hmm. Like you can actually get up to life force in five minutes. And I think that's the, that's the key to getting a really high score in that you've got to basically just keep starting those modes as soon as you can. You get up to life force, complete life force, and get your billion, and then you'll be fine. That's pretty much all you can do to get up to a big score in, in that in five minutes. So I managed to get about half a billion in that time. So, yeah. But all the other tables, they're pretty low scorers. So it's sort of interesting to see how that would be, um, what the scores will shake down to be. Uh, in the five-minute tournament format. Here's the genius of Zen doing their uh, custom tournaments, you know, with what I do 
well, except for what I didn't do last week because I kind of forgot about it. (laughs) But doing the weekly tournaments, you know, they keep data on the tournaments that are created and how many people join in on those tournaments and, and all that stuff. And they just kind of made a, just a quick tweet about how the current uh, meta of popularity is one ball, one attempt tournaments, one ball, one attempt, one how ball, one attempt. Yeah. I was just wow. like, brutal. And the last tournament we ran was, was on a uh, uh, shaman, which, okay. You recall last podcast, we ragged on those four (laughs) Zen tables. Yes, we did. I will say Shaman is not terrible. It's got a very wonky positioning for an inline drop target scenario. Mm. Um, I don't like the fact that in order to start the mode, you literally have to... uh, Shoot a, uh, you have to shoot into a hole that lowers the ramp, the jump ramp, then jump onto the mini play field and then clear all the drop targets and then shoot back, let the ramp rise up and then shoot back up into the center to cr- spell chaos in order to start the mode. That's what? That's how you start a single <laughs> mode on that game? No wonder I didn't do any good in that game. It's, it's like, wow, that's a very complicated sequence of events that has to happen. And, and so as such, and the, the tournament I set up was a one ball tournament. You know, most people's scores, the high scores were, well, I mean, if I'm looking at these, the ta, let's see, fifth place was 13 million. Fourth place was 14 million. Uh, third place was 15 million. And then there was a jump up to 53 million for second place. And then I don't know what the heck this dude was doing on one ball scored 362 million. Jeez. Far out. He must've just committed to muscle memory, the motion to get the most. I don't even know how, I don't even know how to actually earn a good score on that table is still a mystery to me. I, I literally do not know how to, you know, where any of the scoring is. Um, is it about multiples or no? The, well, that's the other thing. There's no multiple on this thing. There you isn't. Can, no, you can, <laughs> you can shoot a ball and get it like up this trick ramp or the uh, the shaman trickster ramp. It'll light, light, and when the ball goes up on that particular thing, a little thing comes out and grabs your ball, and then a right. ball is immediately released. But it doesn't lock the ball. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, why is there no multi-ball on this table? That's just silliness. It is. If you have a mechanism that is essentially capturing a wall, what does it do with it? <laughs> what does it do with it? So there's those things that very much make me scratch my head, but the coloring of the table and the layout of the table, other than that wonky uh, uh, inline drop target, yeah, is very playable. So mm. it's not it's not that bizarre, but the rule, like I said, to go through that many steps just so you can do Start something mode. is stupid, ridiculous, <laughs> yeah, ridiculous, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, well, remind me never to play that game because I would not have the patience to go through <laughs> all the modes and and just keep chipping away to get the modes started because. Maybe that's the secret to the game. Maybe they're so hard to start that they're so lucrative when you actually get into them. Yeah. But you know what it'd be for me? I'd get into it and I'd just like ball out immediately, basically. Yeah. And it'd be game over. Yeah. But the point yeah. is, is I find it interesting that, you know, Zen is very much paying attention, apparently. To the metrics. To the metrics. And yeah, that's really uh, good to see. It's something that Farsight, I think, can desperately use. Because I don't think there's an, I know that they can pull data from the game, but I don't know mm. how detailed of data they can pull from the game. I think um, they can, though, they, they can know pull the, how long people are playing a particular table and how mm. often or how many times the table is played. But beyond that, I don't think that there's that many things that they're able to pull because this is the problem with, with your game being locked behind emulation. Yeah, that's right. You, you um, don't have the keys to the city no. to get the data. I mean, they would know, obviously, how many people participated in the tournament because sure. they have that count. Sure. So they and they might be able to, they, they probably, because of their leaderboards, they can figure out, you know, what is the average score that's happening on a table. Hmm. 
but they're never going to be able to know, uh, you know, how difficult is a particular ramp because of, you know, how many times people are shooting a particular ramp, how many times is the ramp rejecting the ball. Whereas I'm sure Zen can pull up all that data real easily. Um, cause I'm sure it's built, built in. Yeah. Cause they're, they're essentially not scripting, but they have their own game logic engine that allows them to, well, pretty much pick out anything they want or need in the well, game. Well, you think about it. There's a, there's a particular bonus that you can do that's distance traveled of the ball. Yeah, true. That's, <laughs> so... that's like the, um, how would you even calculate that? You know, that's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's baked into the, the design of the game. Yeah. And yeah. things like, you know, uh, they can basically inject things like, you know, extra ball save time. Right into the game with the power-ups. It's like, essentially, they're plugins into the core game framework that override some of the core game elements yeah. or or track them. So it's like, they would probably have a very interesting metric. I wonder if they could tell us how many, like, kilometer, how many times around the moon have people played Shaman <laughs> <laughs> in its life or since Zen Pinball 3, because that's when they would have had the, the yeah. tracking metric. It'd be really interesting to see some of those. those you know, I no, I think they've had this metric for a while because if I recall playing original Zen Pinball on the PS3, you could pull out all sorts of wacky stats. Oh, really? That you could look up. Yeah. So um, they probably have, like, we probably would have traveled probably to Uranus by now <laughs> and, and maybe wake our way back to Earth uh, with the amount of kilometers that we've traveled. Uh, they should measure it in light years. <laughs> if, if, if we could, if we could ever get anybody from Zen, you know, to come onto our show, then <laughs> I think we have some interesting things to ask them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely one for the uh, the, the uh, questions questions with notice sheet. I think. Yeah. Uh, get some interesting stats because I don't know. We're gonna have it's... to brush up on our uh, Hungarian first or or Czech. I'm not sure. Where are they? Hung- Hungary? Yeah. Hungary. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Bud- Budapest. Budapest. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think so. That's where they're. That's where they I think they call it the core offices, but of course they have a U.S. office. And um, yeah, but that's not where they do any of their designing or or you know, basically the the U.S. office is you know it's a guy in a shed. <laughs> well, it's I uh, know it's one of the guys there is Mel Kirk. He uh, I follow him on Twitter, and uh, you see him uh, living the life. Uh, yeah. He's he's the what is his title? His title is the head of he's a head of something uh i think he's like the head of he's the one who negotiates things i think head of the negotiations oh for for licensing purposes i think so yeah so that's what he does in the well, US. well that makes but, sense i mean because that's where the movie studios are yeah yeah um, yeah so, so he's okay. a nice guy i i, I was gonna i'm i would say there's a language barrier except for the language barrier is you know here in the u.s we learn one language and we quit. Whereas I know in Europe, you pretty much know like five. So yeah, <laughs> it's crazy over there. Like they are so multilingual over in, oh, um, in there. Like, like the, the guys in, I know that when I was working at Red Hat, we had some guys in Brno in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, these guys were very, were just fine with English. In fact, mm-hmm. there were people over there who were doing technical writing for Red Hat writing English manuals over there in, wow. in the Czech Republic. So like their, their command of the English language is excellent. Yeah. And um, they're also very, they're very technically focused over there as well. Like they're in, in the Czech Republic in general, they're quite tech savvy. So not only were they technical, but they could actually speak and write English quite proficiently. So they were like, they're double threats over there. <laughs> so, so here's a question that I, I don't know the answer to, and you obviously will. So mm-hmm. in Australia, Mm-hmm. You're going through the school system, yeah, and it's time for you know second language class. What yeah. are the languages? What's the popular second language that people learn? Well, at the moment, uh, in primary school, both of my kids are learning Italiano. Italian, uh, okay. Yeah, so that's what's happening at the moment. But the I think in the high years, they they actually get uh, Japanese. I was going to um, say, I would imagine that it's Japanese or Chinese for you guys. Chinese or Japanese. Yeah. Mandarin. Or is, Mandarin is yeah. quite, Mandarin's quite popular in, in the higher years. And certainly Japanese is too. Um, I know my wife, when 
she was over in New Zealand in, in the school system over there, they they were exposed to Japanese okay. um, over there. And when she graduated, um, I think it was high school, she was speaking with the proficiency of an eight-year-old wow. in Japanese language. So she was able to have a conversation with someone under under 10, basically. <laughs> Because Japanese is that hard that they actually have right. language layers in yeah. there. So they have like, you know, conversational. Then then they have they have language layers and tiers, but then they have slang derivatives uh -huh. and then they have business formal and then honorific formal. And it's <laughs> like wow. Well, at least, hey, at least she could communicate, you know. And she, yeah, and she still retains some of the the the, the language that she learned. Like she can understand some stuff, whereas I've I'm starting to remember some of the Italian because I did Italian when I was in, um, oh, okay. in primary school as well. I was actually really good at it. Um, and now that Zachary is coming home and speaking Italian words, I can start to pick them up again. Um, they're, they're coming back from my, my little memory orbs like in, yeah. in Inside Out. They're just being dusted off from the memory, the memory archive and then spun up into my little projector again whenever he says some words. So it's kind of cool to revisit it. Because so, here, obviously, in in Southern California, Spanish is the big, the big. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, that's really useful. Right. Um, except for the fact that Spanish isn't useful for business people. Oh right, yeah. True. Um, they, you know, they're planning on doing international business. Um, French was always very popular, mm -hmm. but again, it's like why? Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, the interesting thing, if you get a base in French, you can pretty much learn any other European language because the, the way they're structured, is quite similar. Right. Uh, German used to be a thing, mm. but it's way lost favor, at least uh, in California. I know if you're in the Midwest, um, it's still very prominent because um, there's a large German, German culture. German was definitely something that we did in high school. Um, we... Yeah, so it was Italian in primary school and German in high school. Um, but uh, but for sure, Mandarin has popped up as a a, a language that you can study. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if Japanese also has gained prominence. Um, but yeah, it's... Both, uh, I guess, both use glyphs. So, you know, they the language is glyph-based. So that's good. Um, I think... I don't know. Mandarin, I think, is a little bit easier uh, to learn than um, than Japanese because you've got kanji, katakana, and romanji. Um, so you've got three different types you've got to yeah. learn in Japanese, where I think it's Mandarin is just either simplified Chinese or Mandarin where you have to learn it. So you can start relatively accessibly and get into it from what I understand. I may be wrong. If there's any Mandarin speakers out there, um, <laughs> you send us an email and tell us that we're wrong and tell us how um, you could get started learning Mandarin. And then if you, and then if you speak Cantonese, you can come in and really just mess with our heads. Mm, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. <laughs> that used to always trip me out with the, uh, uh, when I'd get a Hong Kong movie with subtitles and there'd also be, you know, well, I just went, why are there Chinese subtitles also? And they're like, oh, well, no, if the movie was in Mandarin, then they put Cantonese subtitles. And if it was in Cantonese, then they put Mandarin subtitles. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's yeah, far out. It's like the, basically the whole screen is just full of subtitles, yeah. basically, over the uh, picture. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I do want to tell you folks out there, Jared and I have signed brand new NDAs with a... Uh, new company previous from any company that we already had NDAs with. Mm. However, to tell you who that company is would be spoiling the NDA. So we can tell you that we have, but we can't tell you who or what. Exactly. So, so there you go. Stuart. All right. So that's our podcast for today. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did cross a, a, a threshold here, Jared. In, oh, my, in my pinball tournaments app. Oh, did you? I, I passed the $50 one. Oh, $50 one. And what does that mean? Do you get to cash out your winnings? I could. Yeah. But my point is, is that I've not put one dime into this app. All <laughs> right. So you've got $50 out of vapor. Yeah. So now I'm going to, you know, see if I can kick that up to a hundred bucks and, you know, 
maybe we, let's see, it's only taken me what, six months to earn this much. So how much before I can earn enough to buy a, a real pinball machine? <laughs> when you're 90. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's that a would long be, march to 50 bucks. For me, for me, that would be the absolute, though, ultimate. To be able to say that by playing a digital pinball app that I want enough to buy a real physical machine. It's almost as good as when I was serving jury duty and at the same time, while I was, you know, in the juror, uh, well, you don't know this, but <laughs> when, 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 when we get called into jury duty, bef- before you're even placed on a jury, you're in the juror's pool, which is yes. where, you know, a couple hundred of you are just sitting there waiting to see if you get. And so they always have stations set up. Um, again, this was before Wi-Fi was a thing. So it was, if you wanted to use the internet, you had to bring your own LAN cable and plug in and or Ethernet oh, wow. cable and plug in and, and away you go, right? And so while I was doing jury duty, I was doing online traffic school at the same time. And that to me was just the ultimate in wins because <laughs> neither of the paid to learn. Well, to learn. Traffic school is hardly what you learn, what I call learning, but uh, it was neither thing did I want to be doing, but I was getting a perverse joy out of doing both of them at the same time. <laughs> so, um, so it felt good, man. It felt good. So that would be the exact same uh, feeling here as if I was able to somehow uh, accelerate my earnings in this, um, which I could accelerate them. Right now, I'm only playing the matches that at most win me 60 cents. Right. As opposed to if I played the matches that win me $6 per turn. You can, you can that I, could, I think you need to change your strategy. Just well, imagine... the, the, the problem is, is there's not that many people that, when I say not that many, there's like two people that play at that level. And if I beat them too often, then I won't be playing against them anymore. Because <laughs> so, I know you're good. Yeah. No, because, it, because I bust out of the algorithm. Oh, right. Okay. There's literally, I'm, <laughs> there's, Two other players that I play against right now that the only way that we can play against each other, what it offers you is if you lose, you can request a rematch. Mm. But you're only able to request two rematches for any given period of time. Uh, There's there's like a cool-off period. And so that's all we do is we just play. That's how we were playing with each other is just by purely asking for rematches because it never pairs us with us when you're against each other. And I'm not getting matched up with anybody beyond that. So it's really terrible. Yeah. Like the, the problem is when you're up at the, the top end of anything that the air is rarefied up there. So right. you get nothing. So you, you really got quite a, a battle to try and enjoy the game at that level. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saving my, my $10 expenditures for when now and then the tournament allows you to actually, if you place in the top three, you'll actually win a money amount. Mm. Uh, above and beyond what you would just earn for for winning the match itself, mm-hmm. and the competition gets rather fierce <laughs> when when that actually happens. And yeah, so I, I save the the money to be able to do the ten dollar drops on that because you can quickly jump up the ranks uh, or you know, recapture a spot by just winning one match. So I can just imagine the clickbait title we could get for this strategy of getting your pinball machine from a digital app. You won't believe the ten steps I took to get <laughs> to, to get up to eight thousand dollars just by playing pinball online. You know what it, what it reminded me of? Do you, I don't know if you ever heard the story of the guy that traded a paperclip for a house? Yes, I did hear that. Yeah, um, that is genius. So, uh, what was that thing called? Was just one red paperclip or something like that? I, something I like that, yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know the story, this guy determined that uh, he needed, he wanted a house, and he figured he could barter uh, for it. And it all started with a red paperclip, and he just threw it out. I don't even know what system he used. Um, it wasn't Craigslist or anything, but uh, or maybe it was. I'm not sure, but it was like, "What will you trade me for my red paperclip?" And you know, somebody traded him a pen, and then from the pen, he and he just kept on up, upping and upping and upping, and until you know, it started being he was bartering, you know, cars mm. for for things, and and he was always scared of what would he barter for that might just stop dead and nobody wanted the thing that he got yeah where he t- apparently took a huge risk was he bartered for snow globes snow globes snow globes 
And everybody was like, what the heck are you going to do with these snow globes? And he goes, well, they're collector snow globes. And if I can just find the right person that's looking for this, they might be willing to part with something much more uh, major. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it put him over a huge hump. And I think it was only two or three trades after that before he actually bartered for a house. Wow. It's incredible, <laughs> it's, isn't it's it? It's an amazing story. I, I totally recommend uh, Googling the thing. Like I said, I think it's called One Red Paperclip. Um, just because it's a fascinating story of what steps this guy went through and what it takes, you know, just with a little uh, little gumption, a little uh, know-how where you could go from there. His name, it was a Canadian blogger called Carl McDonald. Yeah. Um, and he's actually, he's written a book. You can buy a book. He's also got a TED talk. So I will link those. So in other words, he's, he's parlayed <laughs> this into a career. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's a public speaker and um, yeah. That's awesome. It, it's, it's, it's really good. Like good on him. I have the utmost respect for people who can do that. Yeah. That's just smart. That's intelligence. Right there. So, so that's that's my goal. I, I want to parlay my winnings from, and and I'm using both the pinball tournaments app and using Zen's esports app because they all pool into the same uh, money money pile. All oh, right. Um. So I'm 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 playing those, and that's that's going to be my goal. So yeah. in ten years, I might be a quarter of the way there. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I think the, the easiest way to, if you want to actually win a pinball machine, you actually have to go into real tournaments over there. Um, and oh. then you then you might actually have a chance of winning a real pinball machine. Some of the guys have done it here in Australia. Wow. They've gone to tournaments with with pinball machines as prizes and have collected. Yep. So, you know, that's that's an actual valid proven way of getting a pinball machine. I don't, I don't know if you saw any of the video that just transpired at uh, Pinburg. With, I believe it was a uh, Bowen Cairns that won. No, there is, and they were playing the 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 final table was Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, which right, is a mean beast of a table, mainly right. because it has on one side it's a single flipper, and on the other side it's the double flipper, and it's the kind of double flipper that has no back. Oh, yeah, that's a brutal. He does this amazing thing where he catches it on the upper, lets it fall to the lower, but he caught it with the flipper up and then dropped it before it, you know, so it started to roll back. He dropped the flipper and then it slowly rolled forward. And then he made the shot. I was like looking at this video, just going, what did I just witness? That is, what sorcery is this? It is insane ball control. Absolutely insane. Um, and that's the level you need to be when you're at this level. Like you need to, you need to be able to control that ball like your life depended on it because it really does. In this case, like you win a pinball machine, the stakes are yeah. high. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast where Bone was on the podcast and he goes, "Yeah, it's funny. Like it, it kind of feels like I think they, he was on talking about um, uh, Iron Maiden mm -hmm. um, and and sort of the the path he took to to make that because I think Bowen is the one who actually made. Iron Maiden, if my memory serves, because um, he did it with Archer, his yeah. Archer pin. Yeah. So he said, look, it's one of those things where you you just sort of, oh, you know, you, you just walk up to a tournament, you're, you're on the stage. The first time people that get up on the stage um, at, at the Papa finals are just like, oh, no, I'm, I'm on the stage. I'm going to freak out. But he said, my approach is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, how you going? I'm I'm here again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll just play a game of pinball, I guess. So it's all about your mindset and your attitude. Yeah, these things. Um, there's actually a uh, a pinball tournament that is happening down in Newcastle um, in September, and it's called Pinfest. And when I heard Pinfest, I thought, oh, you mean the one at Allentown, in in the US. Because mm -hmm. that one's called Pinfest, I think, as well. And um, and I was actually talking to our friend Steve at um, Arcuda, mm. and he was going, oh, no, no, it's a one down in Newcastle. Or And I went, uh, what? There's <laughs> a tournament down there? Um, and he said, yeah, it's like a, it's over two days, Saturday and Sunday, and it's uh, 
you, anyone can go to it. It's just one of those open things where you pay. I think it's like thirty bucks a day um, to get in, and you get I think it's something like seventy tables are on free play there. So you just walk okay. in and and just fill your boots all day. I think there might be a tournament running down there as well. There usually is in these things. Um, but um, I was going oh. See, I missed Brisbane Masters this year because it's it's sort of like a whole weekend, and I was using that as an excuse not to actually go to the, the full event. Um, but I'm just wondering. I wonder if I um, see if I can organise a trip down to Newcastle and then accidentally drop into um, Arcuda on my way. Yeah, that'd be nice. They're in basically they're in Newcastle as well. So oh, okay, um, they'll be exhibiting at the um, at the event. They'll have I think maybe. Um, Thunderbirds there, uh, as well as uh, Arcuda Cabinets, I think, as well. So, See, I don't even yeah. bother trying to enter tournaments because, you know, I do the I do my Orange County Pinball Tournaments uh, <laughs> monthly. Um, and I get schooled in it every time. I'm, 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 I'm always middle of the pack. Mm. You know, I'm not the worst player. I'm nowhere close to the best player. And to me, I'm just like, why would I... It's it's me handing away money. <laughs> I'm just turning in my entry fee. <laughs> There's not yeah. there is no chance that I'm going to do anything amazing with it. Um, so I don't I don't even bother. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I've done all right the last couple of times. I've been at um, the Brisbane Pinball Club. I made the finals, and I've got I was very close to getting money one time. But last time I played, I got some money. Um, yeah. So. Uh, which isn't a bad deal considering that because I'm a scorekeeper, I don't actually have to pay any entry fee. Um, oh, okay. So it's, it is, I often, if I get money, it'll be like, I might make it into the first or second round of finals. And like you get, I think 20 bucks if the pool's pretty big and that pays for my dinner that I have at, at Netherworld. So look, you know, win. Um, <laughs> so I'm happy with that. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the tables that we're going to play tomorrow for our uh, tournament purposes um it's gonna be ghostbusters tawny flash gordon and solar city oh well i don't even know what solar city is i'll have to look that up uh, solar city is basically um the same as el dorado oh really yeah i think so okay and then so, flash gordon oh boy <laughs> yeah i played that game it's really brutal i've still don't have a handle on ghostbusters and uh Tommy, I haven't done terribly on it, but I've also mm. got schooled on it. So uh, it's one of those tables. It's got a really tight mode start shot yes. on it, and it's a, a rather brutal to get sometimes. So yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one to um, to try and yeah. get a decent score on. You can have a, like you say, a really good game on it, or you just get totally done on it. Flash Gordon, though, it's uh, the biggest thing I found with that one is the the kick up and the kick out from the upper to lower playfield. Yeah. is is the risky part and there's a really i think on the right hand side you've got like a set of drop targets that are in line and they are where you get your extra ball but they're really risky to get right because so, you miss them it's straight down the middle kind of yeah action. it's it's brutal action yeah so it's it's a you got to really know how to control the ball out of that yeah. um that stack to to actually have any decent luck but really it's just keep the ball on the upper play field as much as you can and that's generally a safe approach to that one. Uh, did you uh, see the uh, stern announcement with Deadpool for their next day? Yes, yeah, I saw it. And so I'm I'm kind of bummed about one aspect though. Mm. I know that this, it's not related to the movie. That this is purely based on the the comics. Mm. But now when I play Zen's Deadpool, I. It, the voice just sounds weird because I'm sorry, but Ryan Reynolds does an amazing job of being Deadpool. It just yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it works. And so then when I hear the voice in in Zen's, I just kind of go, ah, bummer. Well, Stern hired the exact same guy to do their tape. They did, yeah, really. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm like, go. oh man. <laughs> Well, that's okay because then it'll it'll sound exactly the same. You won't I have guess. any stand in the. I can't believe they hired the same bloke. I, don't, I guess I know, Ryan. Right? I guess Ryan didn't want to do custom well, voice for it. Well, because they don't want to be tied into the movie. Yes, because it isn't actually the movie; it's a comic. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly where Zen went as well. Because well, I thought that, made, but I thought that perhaps well, Zen made theirs before there was a movie. But mm, I thought perhaps true. they would just try and you know maybe get a sound alike 
uh, for Brian Reynolds, yeah. mm-hmm. something of that nature. But uh, no, they didn't. And it brings up an interesting thing that I haven't heard a definitive answer on, but uh, I've heard rumor of what the answer is. Mm-hmm. But it's that could Farsight put out Deadpool in the Stern Pinball app? In digital form. In digital form. Because Zen already has, here's the key point, Zen has a license with the Marvel Comics version. Mm. This isn't a movie version. This is and Stern's is also Marvel Comics, but it's in a physical form. So obviously physical form is different from digital form, so therefore not competing uh, products. Yes. But you bring that into digital form, and now you are competing with another digital pinball of the exact same name. Yeah, that's uh, potentially a problem. I think it's a sticky point. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's that's what I'm be... hearing is that it's a sticky point. And now, here's the other point: until Farsight figures out how to do the LCD screen, it's a moot point anyway. <laughs> well, apparently they already do know. Um, well, until I actually see it in a game yeah. released, it's a moot point. It's not even an issue. Mate, I was playing Ghostbusters on Steam the other day, and all the other tables in the Pimble Arcade were performing just fine. And then this thing loads up, and it's jerky and janky and gross. Mm-hmm. So, and that's on a modern stern. So they've got a long way to go to making that emulation framework because it's—I believe it's actually not direct ROM code in Pimble Arcade. It's emulated. No, it's emulated. Um, so they've got a long you're way to go. Play it well played in the Stern Pimble app. Uh, yep, everything's it's, better. In- it's better. It's it it really is better, and and it's almost unfortunately you have to suffer through the front end to get to the table. <laughs> yeah, you do. You, you kind of do, and it is terrible. But um, and you, I don't know. Um, there's there's a thing that I don't understand. What? Well, yeah, I just I don't understand what Farsight's waiting for. The front end of the Stern Pinball app on Switch, beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Ship it. Why has that not been implemented on PC? Why is it not implemented on PS4 and Xbox One? I don't. Yeah, they're probably going to deprecate. They're, they're going to get rid of the, the the Steam version of Stern Pinball for sure. Yeah. And they're going to basically that's going to go, and it's going to be mobile only for sure. You can almost put money on it that that's what's going to happen. Um, so they're just going to keep on sucking all the stone titles back into Pimble Arcade because let's be honest, there's a bit of a uh, lack of tables happening for Pimble <laughs> Arcade at the moment. So they need content for the platform. So yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be sucking them back into there, but they really need to do some work on just the the, the stone table, the Ghostbusters table in particular. I played th- on mobile, I played Star Trek, and it was really good. Smooth. Mm-hmm. Really ACDC, nice. same thing. Mustang, same thing. Yeah, but... There's something about Ghostbusters. I don't know what it is, but it is just no good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that doesn't bode well because I think that is a crossover game between um, a Spike and White Star mm-hmm. or whatever they're. Um, oh, Sam White. Uh, yeah, Spike and Sam. So they're two frameworks. So if they're putting on video, I mean, some one of the I remember someone commenting about how they're going to do video in the stern um, tables and the fact that it's just essentially like a rolling video with, with stuff overlaid over the top. Right. And I was watching some of the videos in things like Batman and stuff like that. And yes, you could sort of say that that is what it is at a very base level, but there's still a lot of, there's integration. Stuff going. There's a there's a layer of integration on mm-hmm. that video screen that would take a toll on emulation as well. Like there's mm-hmm. no doubt that it would actually essentially your picture in picture um, view of the DMD running a video stream plus overlaid stuff over the top. It's like you've then got three layers you're dealing with um, in the game. So it's not as just quote unquote simple as just running a video. Um, video stream in a window it's far more complex than that yeah so i i don't know what's going to happen there i think it's going to be an interesting thing when they start releasing the the video um screens in the game so last bit of uh, pinball information from me um so pinball hall of fame in las vegas mm. they just announced 
that they purchased a piece of property to the tune of like $4.5 million um, on the strip, mm. the south end of the strip, uh, which uh, if you've ever been to Vegas, you'll know that the south end of the strip is no man's land. <laughs> um, oh, right. Okay. But that's okay. It's still on the strip. Um, and it's... Uh, it's better than their current location, right? It's better, which is way better out, than the current location. It's actually um, outside of the strip at the moment, isn't it? It's it's off the strip. It's it's one street uh, uh, perpendicular to the strip. Okay. Um, but it's a ways down. And the, the current building, uh, it's nasty looking. On the mm -hmm. outside, it looks like a derelict building. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just not pretty to look at. It it's, has zero flash about it. The very first building that they were in was in a strip mall that had a movie theater and it had windows and they had it carpeted with, you know, Vegas casino style carpeting. And yeah. I really liked the layout. And then the, the current building that they're in, it just looks like, like a kind dodgy of a 80s ground. arcade. Yeah, like no, a dodgy not even that. Arcade. Not even dodgy. It's just a concrete box right. um, with a whole bunch of machines in it and a corner piled with parts. Uh, it's right. just, yeah, it's not very attractive. Not well presented. Not well presented. Not well presented. But here's the deal with with you know, why you got to love Pinball Hall of Fame. Um, it's a nonprofit business. Mm. Basically, he's got a grant going for this, and outside of maintenance costs, all the additional profits he donates to, I believe, Salvation Army is his uh, charity of choice. Oh wow. Um, but it also allows them because it's a grant that to, to pool money. So they've pooled all this money, enough money <laughs> that they can go ahead and purchase this property. And then what they're, the plans are is to build a building worthy of being on the Vegas strip. Mm. They said they want it to look like a pinball machine. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Like now basically crazy Vegas strip lighting all over the building. Exactly, which is exactly what it screams to it me. Needs it needs it. Come on, pinball and neon? That's perfect. Yeah, um, totally. And, and But here's the, here's the kicker. The reason why he decided he needed a new building, the current building, I think he has close to 250 machines in it. Mm. He's got a warehouse with over 1,000 machines in it. Yeah. And he went, you know what? This is not doing me any good. I need a space where I can just dump all my machines. Yeah. So that's the idea to build a space. Let's have a thousand right, right. He doesn't, he doesn't want them in his warehouse anymore. He wants them in people's hands. And well, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's, well, I am so stoked. My hat goes off to you, my friend. I cannot wait to see you get it set up. Oh, when that thing is set up, I will for sure make a trek out to Vegas again just to go do that. I won't even go for any other purpose than to just see that place. Just to go to that. Yes. But yes. It's the thing that's concerning me is that at the moment, it's well known that they're having trouble keeping up with the maintenance of just the 250 machines on the floor. Yes, because it's a volunteer basis. Yeah, so they need to solve that problem first. Well, but if you're in a flashy amazing building maybe you can actually hire a person or two i don't know yeah, you know yeah. you never know if you become the i mean because uh, that was what the issue with in banning where they have the uh museum of pinball mm. now they only open their doors a couple times a year times, yeah four times a year maybe mm. uh prior to opening the doors they put out a big request hey who can come volunteer and get everything up to shape Mm -hmm. First time they opened, they had a small army of help, and they said that there were so many tables they never got to. Second time yeah. they opened, they got to a lot of those. They said they've pretty much almost gone through all the tables now, and yeah. so it just it's just a matter of time of getting through everything and getting it up and running and, and going. But I imagine here's the important part: is this new building? I imagine they'll actually have a workshop. Because you would think so. The have a building doesn't really have a workshop. It's oh. on the floor, maintenance on the floor type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's hard. Like I know how hard it is. Well, both of us know how hard it is yeah. to get machines working um, and doing it on the floor. I've had to do that a number of times when I've been helping out arcades and it's horrible to try and get your, get your way around a machine that often people are playing left and right of you. So you can't get down mm -hmm. beside the machine. Oh, it's just horrible. So yeah, having an area we can just literally put the thing on a, on a, um, a coffin wheeler like the yep. pinball transporter and just wheel it into the 
the maintenance area, yeah, godsend. And if you have a maintenance area that can, you know, house say ten machines, that's pretty. So they can be in different various states of of completion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be that would be really nice. I'm just thinking like this white room, like with white floors and white right. walls. <laughs> just, just so if you drop a part, you can see it on the floor. Like <laughs> the hardest thing on like a, a dark floor is seeing old dark screws. Right, um, that are covered in chrome dirt. Yeah, um, or like solenoid dust. Yeah, it'd be wonderful to work in an environment like that. Yeah, so anyway, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm excited I, I for that. Him, I wish him so much luck. I wonder when it's probably like he'll have to build it a facility. Is, well, I mean, they still haven't even obviously they haven't even started construction. I think they're looking at 2021, right? Something like Cause that. Because it, it's not essentially the amount I would imagine the floor area that they need would be something like a Costco. Yeah. In size, like it would be about that size. Uh, so yeah. that's a non-trivial building to have to build. Yeah. Um, so look, yeah, these things move slowly, but geez, man, imagine what this thing's going to look like when it's done. Oh, if it's done right, man. Well, and if he does it the way that I hope he would do it too, is uh, have it divided up into sections. You know, he's Here got is. a massive wedge head collection. Does he? Yeah. Oh, it's massive. And so just to put those all in one spot, apparently he has a complete Gottlieb collection. Every Gottlieb. Of all the made. tables. Wow. All the tables. So you, you, you could basically in... call it, you know, you could call it, you could call it the ozone zone because <laughs> that's all it would smell like when you walked into that area. It's just a whole lot of ozone. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can ends. imagine just having a room or a wall or what, whatever dedicated just to that. From um, start to finish. Like for in year order. When I went, when I visited his first location, that's essentially what he had done. He had a row that was nothing but Williams, a row that was nothing but Bally's, and they were in uh, release order. Chronological, chronological order. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, now, the problem with that was that it became lopsided where all the people were. And well, you, yeah. want them, you want them spread. So mm -hmm. I think that's why the, the way the new building is organized everything is just mixed up and scrambled but the problem with that is then it's really difficult to find what you want what yeah you want. You, I, it's essentially like going to a library and going oh well the books are everywhere so just go and try and find that title yeah. that you're looking for yeah like you, if you want to go and play that humpty dumpty good luck for finding it in right <laughs> one thousand pinball venue let alone 250 i mean when i went to um uh pacific pinball museum um they they had that concept of zones uh -huh. So they had when you walk in, it was the ozone zone with all the um, <laughs> with all the old EMs mm -hmm. buzzing away, and that was a really nice way to actually welcome you in because it felt like pinball when you walked in there. Well, that was what that was what Banning did. They they had a section that was all EMs that was like half the floor, and then the other half, yeah, they had all of the Data East lined up in a row. Mm -hmm. They had all the Williams lined up in a row. They had all the Bally lined up. Um, so it was all very sectioned in in that manner um they had it was kind of fun they had a a room that was lit with black light mm. because there was a few tables that look amazing they're, they're almost well and one table was specifically designed for that which was blackout wasn't it i think uh, no that wasn't the table they had oh, no viper night driving it had it had viper night driving was definitely a black light table yeah yeah but I mean, I what I remember. Well, they also kind of made it as these are the adult pinball machines because they had Sopranos in there, they oh. had a uh, Stern Playboy in there, they had Big Bang Bar in there. Um, but they looked fantastic under black lights. It was really pretty cool. I got to say, that, uh, I think um, I've seen photos of the Attack from Mars remake playfields, which actually have UV ink on them. Hmm. And they had those under blacklight, and they just look incredible. Yeah, like the the contrast of the colors that you yeah. see blacklight on this particular playfield is just it just looks so good. So um, I really think that if you, so long as you have that many tables, uh, that'll spread the people out, and they're not oh, yeah, all totally. together. Um, so yeah. Anyway, don't know when that'll be. <laughs> It'll be a few years off still, but that'll be pretty dang cool. Because the interesting thing is, yeah, with Belly and Williams and Gottlieb, that 
there's actually EMs and early solid states and late model solid states all in those those manufacturer eras. So yeah. you, you might find that each of the rows, there's not going to be a lot of people down the early end of the row, but there's still going to be a fairly good spread among the lines if you structure them in lines that, you know, you, you wouldn't really have too much of a problem getting around, I don't no. think. But the fun um, thing is, is that by having them by release date, you can really all of a sudden you you play a table that you, like they'll say you know, and you're like, well, hey, here's all these other tables that I'm not familiar with, but apparently they're the released around the same time. Let's try playing them, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you find yourself going, I love this era, um, mm-hmm. this particular year of releases is fantastic, you know. Yep. So it it is a way of kind of expanding um, your knowledge about your knowledge and, and your what you would be willing to put a quarter into. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I really did get that when I went to PPM. It was um, very interesting to see that very thing that you just yeah. talked about. Then it was it was quite eye opening actually. Just have them all lined up in there, just asking you to play them basically, mm-hmm. and even the different way that they attract you to playing as well. Like each era had a different way of doing that. Yeah. Um, so it was it was very interesting to sort of experience that. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be pretty cool to see him do what he wants to do with his vision there for um, the Pinball Hall of Fame. Yep. So if 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 you guys uh, out there happen to come across any uh, architectural drawings of what this thing should look like, because I only stumbled across the article, I it wasn't even uh, something that I you know a site that I regularly visit that had it posted. Um, so if you uh, Come across any renderings. I'd love to see them. Send them our way. You can do mm. that by emailing us at blah, blah, blockade at gmail.com. Or, hey, why not uh, just go ahead and uh, put it into the Twitter sphere and uh, throw a little at in front of blockade so then we can see it that way. Or you can go ahead and uh, follow us at that very address. You can follow myself. I am at Shut Your Trap. And Jared is at Jared Morgs. Mm. Then there is always, of course, the website you must go visit. Uh, that website address is blockadepinball.com slash episodes. Mm-hmm. Because Jared's going to throw things like links for this very, this very, very uh, episode regarding what we were talking about with the Red Paperclip guy. So. Your red paperclip, yeah, we've got to get got to get links to that and all the other stuff as well that you know we we got show timing notes and and all that sort of stuff that we put yep. up there. It's it's pretty much when I do post production, it, it's about the same time as recording the podcast because I have to listen to the thing again and make make notes about what the times <laughs> and everything. So it, it's it's a bit of a process. I actually saw um, just before we close out the show, there's yep. another um, podcast. Um, app that's been or service has been released um that is really interesting it is a paid service unless you go with a free service which it would be okay but this one is um designed to distribute the audio file recording across the individual's computers it's all web-based um and what it does is it, it in your browser, you, you do the same thing as we're doing here with YouTube Live. So you have like a, a live session when you're recording. And then what it does is it remote, it actually records the audio to the individual's computer. And then when the session's done, it uploads it into a, a central Dropbox. And then the service does a whole lot of post-processing and stuff on the three recordings and audio syncs them and does all that sort of stuff for you. So you don't have to do a lot of post-production and within the podcast itself, you can actually have a soundboard that drops stuff in and you can do all your ads and like bump in oh, okay. and bump out the service itself. And um, it really does sound very, very nice. The The paid version of it is $20 a month, but you get um, you get all the like the AI, AI driven post-production and um, unlimited recordings and unlimited guests as well because i think that with the free version you can only have it would be you me and one other person in the podcast one time so yeah it's pretty it's pretty nice it's a pretty good service so i'm trying to get the name of that i'll drop that in there as well um when i go and do post-production but a lot of people are using it they say it's pretty good 
So, um, yeah, interesting. All right. Hmm. Good stuff. Well, folks, as usual, thank you so much for listening. And uh, hopefully we'll have, well, we, we managed to fill our time <laughs> despite the fact that we didn't have any actual pinball news to discuss. Uh, We're so, pretty good with that. Yeah, we 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 we're seasoned pros with filling episodes with with stuff uh, <laughs> when there's not much to talk about. Uh, so anyway, we always we always hope that there's some bit of news that'll drop uh, during the week. And so cross your fingers that that actually happens. But even if there isn't, you'll hear from again next week. So ta-ta, later out, bye-bye, bye-bye. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com. Sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.